0: This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. I want to I plant a question and ask if we can discuss just for a little bit the answer or the thoughts surrounding this question. And the question is this. How many of you remember this year we did something that we've never really done before? We studied and had um, kind of a form of a Passover. How how many of you were here for that? Okay, a Passover. You were probably out. Of, you were probably out of town. Probably okay. Thank you. Amen. Passover. So we studied that for a while. We we had. Um, I I really enjoyed the study on that. I I enjoyed learning about it and also sharing in that together. And the beauty of that, um, as we think about the concept of Passover, the practice of Passover. I want us to remind to kind of remember what that's about and to talk about why that's important so um here tonight i'm wondering I, I think we're going to try something new i'm wondering um, if we can have somebody who would be willing to to be in charge of running this microphone around to people that are raising oh sister Jody, thank you so much, oh, thank you so much <laughs> i'm not sure. Last time you came up to the front, you kind of just threw us off. So I don't know. <laughs> I want to say this publicly: thank you, thank you for being authentic in your praise. Here, when somebody asked me just today. Um, I was desc- they, they, they aren't members of this church, but they asked me. I was describing the service, and I didn't use you, but i, I didn't, so I didn't reveal you. But I said what happened on Sunday. And they said, well, what did you think of that? And I said, I thought it was wholly appropriate and biblical. That's what they do in the Bible, that when there's one person that just needs a blessing or a touch or just has to let it out, they just don't care. They just go ahead and do it. They're like, I never thought about that. I'm like, that's what that looks like. When you read that in the Bible, that's what that looks like. And I want to thank, so Sister Jody. thank you just for being authentic and genuine. And for not holding back. But the church, thank you for really stepping into that and not just kind of being like, well, that was weird. Let's kind of, like, everyone was like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I want to encourage, I want to, incur- now I don't encourage it just for the sake of doing it. Like, you know, just like, well, who's going to jump off the balcony this week? Like, that's not what I mean. But, um, I, <laughs> Giovanni, all right, we got you, bro. But being apostolic. We had a service plan in place and we were ready to go, and the Lord stepped in, and and the way that the Lord steps in is through you. And it, it was done in decency, it was done in order, and we follow the leading of the Holy Ghost that way. It was powerful. So, Amen. Thank you for volunteering as well tonight. <laughs> you weren't expecting all that, yeah. <laughs> amen. All right, so we're gonna. Uh, I want to ask this question though: What is the significance? What was the significance and the importance? Of Passover. Passover was, was something that was observed. Um, obviously after uh, at the conclusion of the um, enslavement, the bondage of Israel in Egypt and even leading into Jesus day, Passover was still observed. Passover was, it was the last encounter and gathering of Jesus and his disciples before his crucifixion, um, where he was teaching them some things. He was he in in the Passover, he was revealing himself as the lamb, because, as you remember in the story of the in the re- recollection of the events in the New Testament, the Passover, there was no lamb in their meal. So he was revealing himself as the lamb. And the way that Jesus, the master teacher, decided to spend that precious time with his disciples was in a meal, the meal of Passover. So, why is Passover so important? Why is it so important? It's not a trick question, but it is a question. (laughs) So, why is that so important? What are some reasons? What are some reasons why it's so important for the read?
1: Okay, so, I mean, really, if you think all the way back to the original Passover, the blood being applied causes death to pass over, and us having the blood applied to us in our lives will have blood or black blood, but death pass over us. It it doesn't hold reign over it over us. You know, death, where is thy sting? And not not the first death, but that ominous second one yeah. that we will not have to participate in because of it.
0: Amen. Very good. Any, any, anybody else? Somebody else? This is good. Yes, Jesse.
1: I mean, I think both examples of the Passover that we've, you know, discussed kind of show, like, God's mercy, you know, every time they remember the Passover, it reminds them, like, oh, hey, this was the day that, you know, we were given that mercy to where, like, our firstborn wasn't killed. I think it's more of an example of mercy as well.
0: Yeah, very good, yeah. Somebody else? Sister Sister Langer and Brother
2: Kirk. new and they had to leave it all behind when they stepped through that door mm. and go forward as God commanded.
0: Wow. Can we just stay there for a second? You want keep going. Yeah, keep. You got a word. I feel it. I <laughs> yeah.
2: It. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine what they would be thinking in their homes. And then when they walked out, they had to fully trust the Lord and just go. Yeah. And they had, you know, it was just. Must have been really emotional. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. You raised your hand. You got caught. <laughs>
3: So I always one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It goes back to uh, Deuteronomy 6:12, and it talks about uh, talks about the whole reason for the Passover, and that uh, he fulfilled the uh, he fulfilled the promise that he gave to Abraham. And in that, he tells him, "Hey, I'm going to take you to a place that you don't deserve. It's full of everything that you want, that you need to have to live to exist, and you're going to have this. And then there's a remembrance." You keep these things in front of you. And, and if you, you can read it for yourself in Deuteronomy 6. But And it's and the way they remember that is that uh, th- one of the reasons is if you don't, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. <laughs> one of the things he said, which is an important thing. <laughs> <coughs> you know, if That's I was right. to be wiped it's really off. It's important, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other thing was that you have an answer to teach to your children as to why we are here.
2: Yeah.
0: Anybody else here tonight? Um
4: I'm thinking maybe it's only in my own thinking and why, but it's like walking from out of a sinful life into freedom in Christ.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah.
4: Being able to walk with him, be able to overcome the things that we need to overcome. Yeah.
0: Amen. Very good. Thank you, everybody. Amen. That's good. So one of the questions is, um, what kind of bread did they eat at Passover? Unleavened bread. Well, what does that mean? No yeast is fast. It was fast. It was ready now. It was you eat it in haste. It was a bread that you eat in haste. You don't have time for it to rise because you're going to eat it, you're going to consume it, and then you're going to move on. Part Part of the lesson of Passover is in that state of that liberation, sometimes we like to just stay in that state of liberation, in that liberating moment, and we celebrate the liberating moment without S- stepping out into the new unknown because now they're stepping out of their doors ready to freely go into their promise. And sometimes, and, and as we know of Israel, they, they um, memorialized the past a whole lot more than it really was, right? And they wanted to just stay, in, st- stay where they were comfortable. And that's not like us at all. Right. We never do that. We never talk about the good old days. No, we never talk. We never talk about the good old songs. Hallelujah. (laughs) We never talk about good old preaching, you know, that was short and to the point. Like we never we never talk about that.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: But it's the great unknown and it's the place where you're you're not intended to stay there. You're not intended to just stay there. I want to help us with this, with the help of the Lord, as we study Joshua chapter 5. Thank you, Sister Jody. I think we'll be good for, for a minute. Uh, with the help of the Lord, you can stay standing if you want, so, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Joshua chapter 5, we're going go to go through this tonight. Um, and really, I, I want to maybe see where we get with this and how I think the Lord is really talking to us here this evening. And, and so we're going to start with verse number one, since that's where we kind of we left off with last week. But verse number one, and it says this, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of the Jordan westward, and the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. I love right there that, that little two-letter word, we. We is actually really important. We denotes a togetherness and a belonging, right? You Maybe you've heard, and we, we've touched on this when we t- taught the book of Acts, that Luke, as he's writing Acts, in one chapter, it turns from they to us. It goes from telling the story of them, and then Luke joins company And when they becomes us is when they join company together. That's a really valuable and really important thing to note is the word we or me or my taking ownership of something. That's a huge thing. So it says until we were passed over. And it says that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Verse number 2. So we start out this chapter really great. Woo, that's exciting. And then verse number 2 comes along, and the Lord says to Joshua, um, what? Make flint knives for yourself, and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So, So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. I bet you didn't think we'd be talking about that uh, tonight. (laughs) And This is the reason. So verse 4, some of you are like, second time? Oh, boy. Verse 4. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. Thank you, Lord. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all of the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Oh. So the second time doesn't mean... Doing it a second time to them. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, to all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised whom he being the Lord raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. That's probably more times of saying circumcise than anyone wants to. Just wrapped up in about seven verses. But this goes to show the importance of it. This goes to, so this, this is something that is demonstrating this is a very important practice. It's not just optional. You hear me? Are we good? Are we, everyone good? It's not just optional. And I just want to start at the beginning of this lesson here tonight to say this. There are some things in our walk with the Lord that we can consider as optional. But there are some things that are not optional. There are some things that we can say, you know what? Um all things are expedient and I, uh, you know, but not all things are profitable, but so some things can be optional. But there are some things that frankly we don't need to play around with. There are some things that we don't need to introduce into our lives or that we need to not introduce into our lives. And maybe for a while, because of life circumstances, maybe we've engaged in things that, that um, just like the children of Israel, because of life circumstances, these men hadn't gone through circumcision until it got to a point where they couldn't advance any farther until something was taken care of. Is this landing all right tonight? Oh, boy. I thought we were going to have victory. This is part of victory. Let me tell you, part of victory is... Going into victory without having to worry about the threats that you have that you're bringing in with you. Part of victory is going in and not really worrying about the vulnerabilities that you're also bringing in with you. Have you ever, anybody ever taken a road trip with uh, a vehicle that maybe was probably not road worthy? Come on, can I get a witness? And, um, and that entire trip, you're supposed to be enjoying it, but you're worried about insert the blank. You're worried about that radiator that's been leaking. You're worried about those tires that are bald and cracked. You're worried about that oil change that was supposed to have been done 2,000 miles ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, am I am I talking to anybody? Now some spouses are like, I remember it's 1994, and it was like, I told you to get that looked at. But if you can go into it without having to worry about those vulnerabilities, anybody ever taken a rental car before? Oh, man, you take a rental car, it's like, that's not even my problem. I don't even care about this thing. Hit the gas. Let's go. Let's see what I can do. You're doing all kinds of crazy things. You, you are much, much less reserved when you have less to worry about. And the Lord was saying, look, I want you to advance, but if you advance, if you try to advance with this issue unresolved in your life, it's going to kill you. It's going to be a vulnerability. It's going to prevent me from blessing you, because well, let, let's back up. So let's the, the the covenant of circumcision is more than just uh, more than just a physical practice. Um, in your Bibles, you can start reading about this in Genesis chapter seventeen. At the beginning of Genesis 17 is when the Lord has revisited Abraham again, although he's Abram at that time, and changes his name to Abraham. And afterwards, in verse number 9, Genesis 17:9, it says this. God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you he who is 8 days old among you shall be circumcised male every male child in your generations he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, hear this. That the, 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 the male child that's not circumcised, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. we can say lord that's so consider some consider some context here 8 days old is 8 days old we're not talking about 8 year olds we're talking about young boys teenagers men some older men and they didn't have any, like I know this is really awkward, but like know, it's Bible, like this is in your Bible, so don't look at me. But they didn't have any way to take care of the pain, and you're in the wilderness. And it would be really convenient to say, Lord, this is a really inconvenient time for me to do this. Can't you wait till another season? Can't Can't we go till a time where it's a little easier on me, where I don't have to do this? And the Lord is telling his people, if you want to advance, you have to to get in right covenant relationship with me. And church, we have made strides. We have made strides. But can I tell you something here today? We're not done making strides. There's still, we're just at the beginning this is the tip of the iceberg, and it's wonderful. And at the tip of the iceberg, what we would typically like to do is we would like to say, well, let's just keep going farther. But, but the Lord is giving, giving us a pause here tonight and a pause in our spirits to say, yes, I want you to advance. But the only way that you can advance is if something is removed from you. Well, let's take a look at what was removed from them. Obviously, we know the practice of circumcision. But here's what the Lord specifically says to them after they were healed. So verse 8 says they stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. Verse 9 says this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Everybody reading that? Everybody follow that? This day, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Now, we're going to get into this here, but I, I want to ask you the question, what does that mean? What does that mean? When you read that or you hear that, what does that mean? That the Lord rolled the reproach of Egypt off of his people. The weight of, so yeah, here, Um, so Jordan, I'm gonna, gonna steal this, sorry. <laughs> you a deep. Good. Stay there. <laughs> all right. So what did you say? The weight, the weight. So what's the, very good. Yes. So let's let's keep going there. What's the weight of Egypt? What's the weight?
2: The uh, I mean, what they went through, the pain, the suffering, I mean, all that is toxic if you hold on to it it's like poison for you so if you hold on to it you can't get past it that's one of the things you need to let go yeah and he got rid of it for them
0: yeah by their obedience right that was rolled off of them. yes awesome very good anybody else uh, did you have more uh, no no oh. it's
2: pretty self-explanatory
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right anybody else somebody else
1: Okay, so I cheated, but uh, uh, uh. <laughs> scorn or shame?
0: How? Yeah, did you look that up?
1: I did. <laughs> that's right. He's got I his
0: resources. That's good. Okay, scorn or shame. Uh, so let's hold on. Let's let, don't take it from him just yet. Um, what do? You, what does that mean? Scorn or shame? How? Why is that? What does that have to do with anything?
1: K- yeah. Sister <laughs> I mean, Jody, you're doing great. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. She just shoves it in my face. <laughs> but it's just it's just on you wherever you go. You feel it when people look at you, you know, the shame is on you. They know you know that they know, you know, all of that stuff. The reproach is just it doesn't go it doesn't just go away. You can ask for your sins to be forgiven and he'll forgive them, but there's still a residual something that just is still on you. So when he rolls that away it just, whoo, it just takes all that off, and you're walking just free and brand new. Yeah, like Only if we let him, because it's the past. Yeah, I And mean, Egypt's the past, and I have a past. And if I keep hanging on to it, what's God going to do? I mean, God is God. He can do anything. But very much so if I don't let him, that is yeah, Egypt.
0: So so what what is the scorn or the sting of Egypt? Let's talk about that for a second. The way the way that the way that Israel was viewed. Okay.
1: I mean Israel was viewed as basically second class citizens. They weren't viewed like an Egyptian was. They were slaves. They were property. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't viewed like, you know, like oh they could get, you know, the best things in life. No, they got the scraps. They got everything that was left over. Mm-hmm. Cuz Egypt saw them less than people. Mm -hmm. But once they were gone, once they were out of Egypt, that was pulled back from them. That reproach, the way that Egypt viewed them and talked to them was gone. So, okay, this
0: is really good. So let's talk about this for a second because this is so important. I think this uh, this is, like, universally applicable. That generation that had just crossed the Jordan, with the exception of uh, some of them, like Joshua, Caleb, and some of them, like, they didn't spend any time in Egypt. So, so Jesse's right, but why did that follow them? Yes, talk about that. This is really oh, I'm so excited. The
2: enemy, the curse of Satan.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a curse. Like like we we get a little weird about that. Like curses, what do you mean curses? Like well, no, like curses get pronounced on people's lives. Like. That was was the whole thing of Abraham when the Lord said, in blessing, I will bless them. In cursing, I will curse them. And it was that application of that identity. And that identity of of that curse, that identity is what kept Israel out of, for that first generation, out of their promised land it kept it it kept them out of there okay so there was a generational weight and bondage that even though they were free they still carried it what's that it was in it was in their minds and what that generation that previous generation did is they passed it on to the next generation because when, when, you, when you hear for long enough that people say you're this or that, you're going to start believing it. Even if, you, even if you say, well, no, I'm not. Or, but if you hear it long enough, over and over and over, you're go- that, that begin, you begin to believe and to uh, begin to accept and to own that identity. And that weight and heaviness of that identity from Egypt was put on a generation that had already died, but they passed it on to the next generation. And that day, the Lord said, all of that junk that got passed on to you, the generational stuff that got passed on to you, today, I'm rolling that away. And you don't have that anymore. I think I think we need to just take a time out and understand something. That generationally, you are the ones that break the generational curses. Generationally, the limits that that the previous generations have had, because the previous generation uh, of Israel had a limit. Their limit was wilderness, and they could never get past that. God would not allow, he, it says that he swore that he would not let them get past that. And if God gives a word, you better believe he's not going to let them get past it. And so in his promise that they couldn't get past it, he allowed the, this next generation to come through it. And he said, you're not carrying that previous generational identity with you. You're going farther than that generation did. And an important thing for you to hear tonight is this is that you are the ones that are walking farther than the previous generation has ever gone. And hear me tonight, I'm not just talking to, uh, we're not just talking to like our younger people, although younger people, I am talking to you. And sometimes as younger people, you can look at, people that are that are uh, farther along in their walk or in their journey, and you can say, well, I could never get as far as them, or I could never live up to where they're at. I want to rebuke that and reject that in Jesus' name, that the whole reason that the previous generation is here is to propel you farther than we've ever been. But not just our young people um, – even Even those that are elders and those that are here that that maybe you feel like you 're a little advanced and you 've got a, more years behind you than you do in front of you, let me tell you something that you are a part of a Joshua Caleb generation. That is leaving the past. And I know that you don't feel like you've got all these years ahead of you. But I wonder if we could fast forward a little bit in the book of Joshua to Caleb when he says, I'm 85 years old. I've been doing this for a long time. And I've got just as much strength to go out now as I did back then. And I hear you. You're like, I don't feel like I'm that strong. But there was, his strength was in his heart. He hadn't lost his heart. There's some elders that got some fire. I leaned I leaned back and asked Sister Molly Langer on Sunday morning, I said, How old is Sister Mary Conley? Because she was dancing at the altar. And it was one of those things, like, I was getting with it in worship, and she just started come up and dancing. I just got out of the way. I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, not gonna mess with that. Because, man, she got going. And and I don't know, she's an elder, so I say this respectfully. I say this respectfully, like, there's a fire. There's a fire. I got looking back at some of our young people, and they are just kind of like, man, she's putting us to shame. We got to go. And then Brother Larry comes running around. Come on, young people. Get moving. You got to start running. Don't let him outrun you and worship you. There's a fire that's lit. And the generation that we're talking about, Brother Shock, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks before, but Brother Shock out of family camp, who did some great teaching on the kingdom of God, had mentioned that it is a kingdom generation. It's not a young versus old, it's a kingdom generation. This represents a kingdom generation where we need our youth, we need our elders, we need the people in between, we need each other. And so. The failings or the lack of previous generations that have kept us to a certain point have been rolled away. So verse 10, or verse 9, let's keep reading. This day I've rolled away the reproach from Egypt from you. And the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal is um, is a word that we will run into a couple more times, a few more times actually, in um, the book of Joshua. It means stone circle. And it is, a, it's, a, it's onomatopetic. Everybody following that? It's one of my favorite words, word of day calendar. No, um, it's onomatopetic. What it means is, what that means is that it means what it sounds like. It means what it sounds like, so Gilgal, Gilgal, Gilgal. It's that stone, st- uh, circular stone, or it's that continual separation. As we read the book of Joshua, you'll find that they have to continue to come back to Gilgal to get direction from the Lord. That means that doesn't mean that they go back and circumcise again, right? But what it does mean is that they have to come back to the place of separation. To get clarity from God. We can go out and have victory and think, well, that was a great victory. Let's just go on to the next one. Time out. No, no, no. Let's go back and hear from the Lord. Amen. Continual circular separation. Let me just put it like this here tonight, and hopefully this will help us. Because we were talking about circumcision, which is something, that in, is something that for them was an unquestionable thing. They had to do it. They had to observe it if they wanted to move forward. Because we're talking about that. Let me just talk about something here tonight and mention this. That there are some commitments that you make to the Lord in honoring him in holiness. Holiness is not an outward appearance. It is an inward commitment to God. Is this all right tonight? That will reflect our lifestyle. Okay, now now that's where the rubber meets the road. It's an inward commitment that's reflected in our lifestyle. We don't hold that as a hammer above anybody. That's your relationship with God. Amen. However, I will say this. Don't Don't make a commitment one day and then turn back and say, I guess that commitment wasn't that important. I guess I can reevaluate my commitments now that I'm more mature with the Lord. There are some foundational commitments that you make to God. I think you need to keep those commitments. Don't think that now that we're so mature, I can just bypass some of those. I think in our purity, when we make commitments to God in, in purity, and in sincerity, on how we live for him, let's keep that commitment. Amen. Okay, well, we'll move on. Circular, it's this Gilgal, Gilgal, the circular word that keeps coming back to separation. That we know that separation, it's not a popular topic. It's not a topic that the world that, that you would see maybe modern-day churches talk about a lot that draw big crowds. But can I tell you, if you want to advance, if you want to advance, hear me today. If you want to advance, there has to be a separation. There has to be a continual separation of our hearts, in our, in our hearts. So the children, So hear this tonight. This is so exciting. Um, verse number 10. This is why I asked the question earlier. The children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Why did they do it at twilight? That's when the Hebrew day began. So when their day began, they started Passover. So so they kept Passover. Passover. And the Bible says in verse number 11, And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Verse 12, Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. There's a lot going on right there. So let's break this down. What, what's what's happening? What's happening? What does that mean? Don't get shy. Sister Jody's ready. Yeah, no, do. Do. And Then Brother McGowan has something, too.
1: <laughs> I'll refer to him. Then, I guess. <laughs> the, this is the first time they've had corn. Other than, this is the first time in generations that some of these guys ever had, like these younger people that were born in the wilderness, the first time they had anything other than manna. Think about it. I mean, it's like having a, Pizza after a three-day fast, a one-day fast. Come on, I feel it. It's how exciting that would be, you know? That they there was just corn that they they had permission to eat it. It was just you can almost feel the emotion in just reading that verse. I mean, they did they observed Passover, but they ate corn. They had produce. It's like so exciting. I'm just I'm sorry. That's yeah. just so
3: exciting to me. Yeah.
0: It's the difference between survival, surviving and thriving. Okay? It's the difference between surviving, just surviving on manna and quail. We're just we're just out here to survive. And now it's thriving. Church, it's a, what the, the transition is a, the difference in a church that goes from surviving to thriving. The difference in the kingdom when the kingdom is just surviving, we're just barely holding on, to now we're thriving. And you get a taste of that corn, you get a taste of some of, the, some of, the, some of that produce, you don't want to go back. Right?
4: Okay. Brother McGowan. Well, I think just to tie in with what uh, Brother Marchand over there said, <clears throat> they, uh, you know, the manna dried up, something that we've had over and over and over and over. All of a sudden, it dries up. You're eating now stuff from the Promised Land. You know, <clears throat> been here. I got the Holy Ghost when I was six. Come on now. I remember moving into this building. I remember hearing revivals coming. I remember hearing all of that stuff, and and you know the messages, and you know the tongues interpretation, and. It, after a while, it just, just there was no flavor to it anymore. And all of a sudden, now, you know, when you read the accounts of the fruit in Canaan, I mean, they had to put the grapes on their shoulders. You know, they're they're eating. I mean, I wish they sold grapes like that at, at Cub. But they, <laughs> you know, I just we're we're starting to get that now. The promise that we've heard for for you know. I mean, when we were kids, we're starting to see that. And it's just, yeah, I don't want to go back.
0: <coughs> it's the first fruits. It's a fr- and maybe they had pallets maybe of I don't know. You know maybe, who knows? But
1: <laughs> so just real quick on the coattails of what he's talking about. If you think about it, all the tribes of Israel, how many people was that? It was a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Millions, so then now millions. it says so. It's not just li- a small band of people, like half of this room, that right. found a little bit of corn somewhere <laughs> right. and had a good meal. Right. You think of the population of the tribes of Israel, all of them moving into this and having, you know, this corn from the land, the abundance. Yeah, that the Lord has provided His provision in all of it. I mean, just. Just to add on to what you were saying, so good. his provision, you know, yeah. he was doing the man and quail, but now he's providing in a different way. Just, it's it's amazing. They had to have walked into an Iowa cornfield. That's right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and
0: once you get a taste of that, not just the Iowa cornfield, but once you get a taste of... Once you get a taste of God's promise, you you don't like the other stuff loses its flavor. Like it's like saying this, do you want to go back? Do you want to rewind 15, 20, 30 years ago and go back to like good times? Hey, good good times of making it, good times of even some growth. So I'm not d- diminishing that, but do we want to go backwards? We want to take the good things and bring the good things up, but we also want to say no, like I don't want to go back.
2: And I just wanted to add, uh, their healing here. Mm. Like this is just, I mean, if we're talking about what they didn't have and now they have all this food, like I mean, sure it's nourishment, but they're healing too now, as well. And it it goes back to when they when uh, in verse eight it says that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed, and then in verse ten it's saying now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. Right? So this this is what's going on is they're healing currently. So yeah. Um, Healing's yeah, boy,
0: we could probably go a long time. We could have a whole series on healing. Healing's important. Healing's very important. God's not setting you up to go into the promise all broken. He'll break you. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry about it. He'll do that. But he'll heal you. Um, last thing tonight, and I'll close with this last point. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 43 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten, and you shall not carry it, uh, carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. And then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law, this is the operative verse here. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. And that law is that they have to be circumcised in order to eat of it. The Lord, when requiring Israel to observe circumcision, was not doing that so they could enter into battle with Jericho. He commanded that to be observed so that they could stay in covenant with him and so that they could partake of the Passover because Passover was coming. So he gave the command, something is coming and you need to make sure that you're right for this. Inasmuch as I want all of us to go together, this is a personal issue for each and every one of us. That revival, like you've never seen it, like you read about in this book, is coming. But you, I can't take Passover from my house and bring it to your house. And I can't have my readiness be enough for your readiness. Our homes have to be right. Is this okay tonight, Sister Wilson? This all right? I know. I know you're good. I know you're good with this. So I'm just. That's why I'm like, all right, Amen. I got an Amen circle right there. (laughs) Um, what is coming? Is pure and holy. It is a pure fire that's coming. No smoke. Smoke represents it, it, when you when you see a fire with smoke in scripture, it represents humanity. The smoke is humanity. A pure fire burns without that smoke. And there is a pure fire that's coming that doesn't have a place for humanity. To get in the way, there is a pure revival and harvest that's coming. There's a pure advancement of the kingdom that's coming. That the Lord is saying, I'm sending this wave and I want you to be ready. And each and every one of us individually, we have to search our hearts, we have to work out our salvation. With two things, fear and trembling. That when you read the book of Acts, we like the signs that come with it. But do you know that oftentimes the signs are mixed with great fear coming among the people? Perfect example of this is in Acts chapter Uh, Five with with a a certain couple that came to church one day. And they left separately. They came separately and left separately. Um, Ananias and Sapphira. And it seems like such a trivial thing, doesn't it? Telling a little white lie about money and property and all this. It doesn't seem like it's a really big deal. And who's going to know anyway? But the Lord said, he can't have that in his church. In order for this beautiful thing to continue to advance, there can't be any of that in his church. Does that mean that we're perfect? That's not what it means. It's not about being perfect. It means the continual, sincere visit to Gilgal, to work on circumcision of our hearts. Because really that's, that's what the Lord is asking us to do. It's not about our flesh. It's, it's really about our hearts. Romans 2 mentions that in, in the church in Rome, Here's what was going on, and I know I said it was closing, and I am. I didn't get to preach on Sunday, so give me a break. Um, But the church in Rome, here's what was going on in the church in Rome. Um, The emperor at the time had commanded that all of the Jewish Christians, all the Jews, be kicked out of Rome. And all that left was Gentile Christians in Rome. Then after a while, they were allowed to come back in, several years, a couple decades actually. And after those decades, the, the Jews were allowed to come back in. And when, they, when the Jews came back in, the Jewish Christians came back in, they came back to church, and they saw everything was different. They saw that a lot of the rules regarding circumcision and Sabbath and eating certain foods, that the, Rome, the, the Christians the Gentile Christians that were there, they weren't observing those practices that the Jewish Christians were observing and so they got really upset about that and that's what that's what a lot of the writing of the book of Romans is all about paul takes a long time to draw out their common salvation and he makes a point he makes points about sabbath and he says sabbath is some people observe one day some people do a little bit every day he says whichever one you do just make sure you do it and do it to the lord but then he talks about circumcision and he says it's not about it's not about the the tradition of circumcision, it's, it's about your heart. In Acts chapter 15, there was a whole council that was given over to this, and, and the, the, the uh, council came back and wrote to the Gentile believers, and say, they said, we're not going to put an extra burden on you about this physical practice of circumcision. It's really about what's going on in your heart. And it's that continual revisit And I know sometimes we think, well, that's continual repentance. It's more than just repentance. It's more than just saying, okay, I'm going to turn and and apologize and say sorry to God and ask him to forgive me. That's when Paul says, I die daily. And like he says, I, I don't just repent. Like I die daily. I die every day. And the reason I'm bringing this up tonight, church, is this. Not because I'm sensing problems that we have to get through, but what I, am, what I am saying is this, is that when we continually revisit, less of me, more of you. And sometimes we can be like, but we're having a great time of revival. Yes, exactly. So let's just keep ourselves in check so we don't ruin this thing. Is that fair? Is that Okay. Like, Lord, this is so wonderful. And I know I'm going to get in the way. So do a work in me so I don't get in the way. Brother Foster, a growth coach, it was either Brother Foster, or Brother Watts, a growth coach this weekend said, Don't be the one that breaks unity. Don't be the one. And I'm not putting that on you. I'm not putting it on anybody. But what I'm saying is, like, let's just make sure that we're the ones that are, like, let's walk together in this. And and less of me, God, and more of you. Because I just want more of him anyway. And you want less of me. So I'm, like, right? And, And I want less of you. No, I'm just teasing. It's okay. We're good. Just relax. Like, I want less of our humanity to get in the way. And I want God to have his complete way. And I want all of us to be in this way together. Amen. So as they are coming off of this great victory of crossing the Jordan and setting up the memorials, the Lord interrupts, seemingly interrupts their progression forward with separation. But he does it for the purpose so that they can observe Passover and connect with their heritage to let them know we can't stay here. Because God has a new door for us to walk through. Amen. Let's stand together here tonight. It's so beautiful the way the Lord works. It's so beautiful the way that He works. Amen. Let's pray tonight. And let and as we pray.